broadcast of around the globe from San Antonio, deep part of Texas. It I'm your host, Eddie Hill, and I will be presenting reports and evidence of some of the astonishing paranormal claims. I'm joined by my co-host, Renee Rodriguez, and our director and producer, Miguel Cantu, who'll be monitoring the room in phone line. We have a fantastic show for you tonight that will open your minds to the infinite possibilities to explain our universe. Get comfortable and prepare yourself for the best paranormal show in the world. This is Paranormal Angle. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Paranormal Analytical. My name is Eddie Hill, and I'll be your host for the show. We have a serious, seriously good show for you this evening, and it's going to be one that we have been waiting on for quite a while to uh, to do, and I'm really excited about it. But first, let me introduce you my co-host. We have uh, Renee Rodriguez. Howdy, y'all. And we have Dylan Holiday. Hi, everybody. Well, we have our special special guest, which is uh, we're 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 going to be talking to here in just a moment. And I want you all to understand that this is one of those type shows that you might want to break out the holy water. You want might want to do some praying because uh, it's going to uh, get pretty serious here with some of the things we're going to be talking about, and it may be something that you all might want to consider if you get involved into the paranormal and the reason we wanted to do this show is because there are dangers when we're talking about the paranormal and some of the things that you might get in contact with but uh that's what the show's all about what can happen what can go wrong uh what to look for what to expect what happens if this does take place as far as demons and demons is what we're actually looking at taking care of and, and working with. So, with that being said, I want to introduce to you, you Jeremy Leonard, who is the, also known as the Cajun Demonologist, and he is the author of The Dwelling, the dark entity available on Amazon. Jeremy has also been on TV series, The Paranormal Society of Pancha... Uh, you know what? I am going to butcher this word. Pancha Tula and a short documentary. Yeah, there you go. I knew I was going to butcher that. And a short documentary titled The Cajun Demonologist. He's been on a, on many other shows such as The Haunting and uh, just he's been all over the place. He's got t- 
tons and tons of experience in demonics and demonic possessions and things of that nature. So we want to welcome you to the show, Jeremy. Thank you for being with us. Well, thank you. You know, so you know what? Tell us a little bit about yourself and what you've been up to lately. And tell us about more or less how you got into becoming this uh, a a demonologist and, and doing this kind of thing. Okay, well, we'll start with how I became a demonologist first. I had no interest in life on becoming a demonologist. Um, I actually got involved in the paranormal field as a pure thrill junkie. Me and my cousin hanging out one day, and he ordered a camera, and they ended up ship, shipping him on one. They sent the ark to the cemetery and, and see if we could capture any ghosts. Well, lo and behold, about two weeks later, his girlfriend was going to the footage, and sure enough, we did, and we wanted to see if we could capture that again. So we formed Paranormal Society of Ponchatoula. Uh, it got real popular real fast. Um, then we got a local TV show here in the uh, Louisiana region. It was parts of Louisiana, Mississippi, and Alabama. Um, and um, I got involved in a case that forever changed my path when it comes to the paranormal. We were contacted by a lady that lived in a town called Mount Hermon. Now, let's think about the name of this town, Mount Hermon. 200 of, of the of the angels ascended onto Mount Hermon. So just that correlation there, I always find interesting. Uh, but anyway, she claims she went to the uh, local plantation here and a demon followed her home. And I did not know anything about demons whatsoever, but hey, we was like, hey, if we can film it, sure, we'll come. Well, then we always went and done an interview before we actually filmed for the show. And that night I actually saw a true demon in its original form with my own eyes. And I spent the next six months with that family trying to battle, basically being a barrier between the mother and the three daughters and the entity. Um, it was quite quite a ride. I did not know anything about demonology at that time or, or even... All I knew was what I learned in, in, you know, in church. Demons are bad. That's basically all I knew. So when you got started in this and you saw this demon in its original form, uh, what was your initial thoughts? I mean, what did you think when you saw this thing? Well, obviously, I mean, it's kind of one of those things where you get so terrified, you just freeze and time literally staying still. Um, actually... I remember her talking to my partner and it looked like her eyes just turned completely black for a split second. I mean, it was like that micro of a second and then her eyes were back to normal. So I politely grabbed a K2 meter or EMF meter and, you know, excused myself from their conversation. And I'm walking down this long hallway. Now, this is an old farmhouse and part of the new house is built onto the old part of the house. And I remember passing her bedroom, which was to my right. And I, rem- um, I think we lost audio on Jeremy. Uh, he, he's yeah. frozen up. We lost him. Hmm. Oh, I can continue great. the story. I know oh, the man. story. No, he's off. He's gone, Eddie. He's gone? Well, let me do this. Yeah, uh, I can, can... Keep, keep talking about the story, Dylan, since you know it. And yeah. I'm going to go ahead and call him back on Skype. So having this conversation, um, or while his partner and this lady, uh, Joyce is her name, while they were having this conversation, he described her eyes went kind of black, and, and he excused himself, and um, he recalled her talking about 
uh, her bedroom being where, or one of the bedrooms being where most of the events took place. And she said, uh, he said he was walking past and he passed that room and he didn't want to go anywhere near that room. So he, he went into the bathroom and when he did, the bathroom has this giant and mirror. With and a he described it as like a six foot tall mirror. Okay. Hold, and hold, hold in the reflection, he saw. Hold, hold that thought real quick. Hey, Jeremy, can you hear us? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. Can you all hear him? Yeah, I can hear yeah. him. Okay, great. Okay, um, let's go ahead and continue. Uh, we lost your audio there, but uh, we got your audio back. You want me to continue with the phone? Yeah, just continue okay. this way. That way we don't have any problems on it. Okay, well, that would be great. So, as, I, as my eyes actually engage this thing, I, I'm looking out in... One thing that I noticed right off the bat was his arms were extremely elongated. As he was standing there, his arms literally came past his kneecaps. And his fingers were twice the size of what a normal human being's fingers would be. And as I look up at his face or his head, he, it was it was bald-headed. And its head was kind of shaped like an egg. And there were eyes, but there was nothing else there. There were no nose. There was no mouth. There were no nothing. I mean, it was just the eyes, and that was it. And I didn't know at the time that a demon cannot take the perfect form of a human being. They can mimic humans very closely, but there's always something odd about them. Sometimes they'll be missing an arm. You know, they'll only have eyes, nothing else. As in the case that I've seen, there's always something odd about them. And that's kind of a calling card that is a true demonic entity. You see, demons have certain rules that they have to follow, believe it or not. Um, and a lot of your folklore, like vampires, different things like that, kind of uh, recreate itself from 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 the demonic side. Uh, just for an example, like a, a vampire can't come into your house unless it's invited. Well, same way with a demon. A demon can't just show up in your home. It doesn't work that way. They have to actually be invited in. But anyway, this thing was as solid as me and you. You know, when you think about a ghost, you're like, you know, a, a misty cloud or something like that. That's not what it was at all. Uh, it was as solid as a human being standing behind me. And I actually looked at this thing for about, well, it seemed like forever, but I would say it was probably three or four seconds. And I had a couple of choice words. And I mean to tell you, I barrowed out of that room. My partner was still talking to the client. I grabbed him, took him outside. And I told him what I saw, and I told him we needed to get the you-know-what out of there, and he agreed. And what made it a little more odd was the fact that um, when we got ready to leave, there was not a cloud in the sky, but there was this huge storm cloud directly on top of that house. And the wind was blowing so bad, it took one of the garbage cans, and I remember seeing the garbage can fly across the, the yard. We jumped in the car, we took off, and... The vehicle we were in had power locks, and I'll never forget the locks were malfunctioning. They kept going up and down by themselves um, until we got down the long driveway and back onto the blacktop. And, you know, I said I was never going to go back there. But then my conscience side of me, I guess, you know, really started to bother me. I mean, there's three young children involved in this. So, you know, I, I decided to go back. Um, um, no, no one else, one really else decided. decided. But, 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 I, but did. I did. Are you getting, Are you getting an, echo? an echo? Yeah, you came back on the original program. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. 
So, uh, but I decided to go back and, uh, you know, come to find out that this entity did not come from the plantation. It, it, it went much deeper than that. But I'll leave the rest for the book. That That is amazing. I mean, what did you get off of that, Dylan? I mean, I know that you did a lot of looking into this. And, I mean, this is something that you were really interested in learning about as well. So... Yeah, I actually, I actually know know the story. Um, I know that you don't want to give a lot of details. You want people to read the book, and and that's very important. But I would like to note that the client, um, when she was at this plantation, she, you said that she she did very well with documenting everything. She took a lot of pictures, and some of the pictures she took, what were some of the things she saw? Well, the, the actual pictures at the plantation, what really started it was she was standing on the front perch. And I, I'll tell y'all, this was the Myrtle's Plantation. It's one of the most well-known plantations in the United States. Um, she claimed she had captured an orb. Now, when I looked at this photograph, it was nothing more than dust, okay? Even though I was not an expert in the paranormal, I had seen enough to know that that was dust. And she claimed that there was a face in, in, in the orb. Now, you know, you have what you call matrix and your mind is going to try to see pattern, random patterns that it's used to. But what made it deadly is even though it was just dust was the fact that she become obsessed with that photograph. And in instance, that's what opens the door. Anytime you become obsessed with something like that, you're inviting something in, you're opening yourself up. How does that work? How does that opening yourself up by being obsessed? Why does that happen? Well, okay, so for an example, a demon can't just, all right, first of all, demons don't haunt homes, okay? That's not what they do. They haunt people. Their end goal is to gain possession. So, but a demon cannot just see you walking down the road and say, I want to possess him. It doesn't work that way. They have to be invited in. They have to have that right. And when I say right, I mean as an R-I-T-E, the same as the right of exorcism. It's that bond that gives them that right to be there. Well, when you become obsessed with you know, the paranormal in general, watching horror movies, um, paranormal investigating when, when you become completely obsessed with it to where it rules your life, that gives that entity that right to come into your space. You said there were laws for the demons. Is this part of their laws or rules? Yes. Yes, the rules are. Rules? See, like uh, well, God says these rules, believe it or not, as crazy as it sounds, a demon or Satan is not allowed to do anything. So my answer to that is going to be, God gave you what? What is your greatest gift that God gave you? Free will. Free will. Okay. Your free will is what brought you to where you are. Just like people always say, well, you know, how does God let someone get in a car and get in a car wreck? God didn't invent cars. Okay. Your free will got you in that vehicle and the accident happened. So what happens with this is demons have rules. Just like as in uh, you know, witchcraft or Satanism, they summon up these demons. Okay, there are certain things that they have to do in order to summon up these demons. So what I'm saying is a demon cannot just possess someone. There has to be a gateway somewhere. And playing with a Ouija board is a gateway. 
even having an EMF recorder going into a home that you think is um, haunted, the key is to never get personal with a spirit. Because when you get personal with a spirit, asking questions like, hey, can you say my name? Do you know where I live? When am I going to die? Just general stuff like that. You're opening yourself up. Okay, you are inviting that entity in. Now, then at that point, you have what they call festation. Now, real quick, uh, we got some. We've got some questions coming in from uh, the chat, and uh, Emily Stakely asks, "Do they possess land, people, and animals?" No, they don't. You you have to understand the difference between a demon and a and a ghost. Is a, a demon is a spiritual being. It has no. It doesn't want to haunt the land. It has no interest in haunting land or animals or anything like that. However, they will, they use animals. Demons do what you call jumping. We call them jumping in demonology, which means at the stage of oppression, the demon has sought out who it wants to gain possession with. But first it has to break that person down spiritually, mentally, physically and emotionally it's going to divide the family and isolate that person till their will is completely broken okay that's when the possession starts but they play dirty they will use whatever means necessary to accomplish that goal that is temporarily gaining possession of children animals you know you you do comes to land you have what you call bloodline curses okay or let's just say there was Satanism that happened on the property, you know, during a ritual. You have to understand when, when Satan is summoning up demons, they they bind them to something. That's why you have a circle. And a lot of times they will summon the demon up through the circle with the pentagram. And the demon can't leave that pentagram. It, it's locked in there. That's the way they protect themselves. So um, mirrors is another common thing that they 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 uh they put them with um so you know it's one of those things to where anything is possible but as far as land or animals is is very highly unlikely that's not what they do yeah and and, uh emily also said uh there is a difference between oppression and possession which there is because oppression of course is the actual uh you know tearing you down and before they actually possess you Right. And when you come to a point of possession, again, a demon has to have permission to possess you. And you say to yourself, well, who in the world would ever allow a demon to possess you? Well, that's part of them breaking you down like that, isolating you. They will attack your family until you get to the point to where you say, do whatever you want to do to me, but leave my family alone. Well, you just granted it permission. They're very dirty on how they operate. And what's the ultimate goal of possessing a person? What is their what is their intent? What do they want with a person? Well, you have to understand when a demon possesses someone, they experience everything that person experiences. Uh, touch. Um, when you eat, the demon gets the same sensation through there. Uh, even with you know sex, they get the same the same exact feelings that that the person receives. Um, it's basically them having a body. I mean, you have to think about it. these are spiritual beings that don't have a body. Uh, even though they can manifest themselves as a solid body, in general, it's not it's not a real body, so they don't have. Uh, all the sensations and everything that a human has. And also, it's to destroy that person. I mean, it, 
you got to think about it. They want to completely destroy you, and the end game is to kill you. You see, here's the thing. They try to convince you that they, they have your soul. They have the right to your soul. But, see, that's 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 not true. You just, That's just a lie that they tell because a demon cannot own your soul. Satan cannot own your soul because it's not yours to give. It doesn't belong to you. So how can you sell your soul when it didn't belong to you in the first place, but that's a lie that they tell you and they, and they convince you. One thing you have to understand about demons is they're very, very, very manipulative. Um, they're the masters at manipulation. So basically they want to feel as we feel. And because they because they lack a body and they they miss, I mean, they're, they're missing something and they want to they feel like you and I? No. Well, no, they, no, they, no, no, no. They've they, never they, been that's human. Just, that's one of the perks that they get from it. What they want, the end game, is to completely destroy you, to take your soul. Because here's the thing. If they can't convince a person that they own their soul, which free mm -hmm. will is what they despise the most, okay? That's one of the reasons why Lucifer in the 200 rebelled against God was because we have free will. You see, angels are demons. They don't have the free will that we have. In other words, they have free will to a certain extent, but if they sin against God, if they rebel against God, for an example, they can't ask for repentance like we can. Okay. And that's one of the things that they despise. And that's why Lucifer, no matter if he came to God and begged for forgiveness, he can never be forgiven because he is a spiritual being. He doesn't have the same free will that we have. So what they want to do is their end game is to completely take your free will from you. And in the end is death, because if they can convince you that they have your soul, well, then guess what? At the moment of death, if you hadn't repented, to God to forgive you for your sins, then you can't repent after death. After you leave the world of the flesh, there's no repentance. That's that's where in the religious terms, either you go to heaven or hell. So now I would like to bring up also, uh, you were a skeptic. You were more into UFOs for a long, long time. Correct, Jeremy? Correct. So now your first ever investigation was actually with your cousin for, for funsies. In 2007, I believe. Right. Correct? Could you describe right. us a little bit about that trip? You said you described it as being very much like Amityville, and something happened to you there that really changed the path of the rest of your life. Can you talk a little bit about what happened? Well, what happened was, I ended, like I said earlier, uh, we we went to a cemetery, and. Now, when you think going to a cemetery at night, you know, your general ghost hunters, well, that that's that's awesome. That's what they live for. But let me tell you something about this cemetery. I, I'm not an empath by no means, but I've been in the paranormal field so long to where I know how to acknowledge energy. I could pick up on positive energy and I could pick up on negative energy. Um, I'm not psychic or anything like that. It's just after you do it for so long, you learn to, to your unconscious mind learns to pick up on these things. Well, they had a very negative vibe to that cemetery that night. And, uh, you know, we were playing around. I mean, look, we were drinking. I'm not going to lie to you. Like I say, I was a thrill seeker. Now, the paranormal was never meant to be taken serious to me 
by no means. Uh, your gadgets that tell you one thing, but who who knows? You know, they may just light themselves up every once in a while. It may have a little timer in it or something. But until I see it with my own eyes, I'm still going to be skeptical. Well, we ended up catching something on camera that night. It wasn't that I seen it with my own eyes, but it was very, very clear. I mean, it was just like this smoke just came together and formed a woman. And the woman took three or four steps and then the smoke just shot off in different directions. And that is kind of what I guess really questioned my skeptic, you know, being a skeptic towards the paranormal. And I wanted to see if we can capture that again. So that's kind of what took my whole drive of really diving into the paranormal in the first place. And, you know, I was still a skeptic in all honesty because we had been doing paranormal investigation. We had maybe done 30 at the point where we came across Joy's house. Uh, and I've I'd never seen anything else, really. So, But after that night being in Joy's house and I saw that the entity, I mean, you got to remember, I didn't know it was a demon at the time. All I know is what I saw. And believe me, I tried my best to convince myself that I didn't see it because I didn't want to see it. You talk about... Uh you know, spirits breaking you down through your family. It is important to note that Joyce, which is the client, uh, she she did have three children uh, that were also affected. Can you talk a little bit about what happened with them? Okay, you got to give me a minute with this. I always seem to, to break up whenever I discuss this because this is a very hard thing to talk about. Um, the youngest child was two years old at the time. It started with her first, and the entity was very sexual towards the two-year-old. I actually have audio. Um, you could probably go to the Cajun Demonologist uh, like page and find it of the little girl saying, are you going to F me now? I mean, she's, based, she's talking to this entity. And Joy was smart enough to know she had digital recorders going in this house at all times because everyone thought she was crazy. Uh, and I did as well whenever I was there. And, you know, just to hear a child say that, I mean, wow, this is a two-year-old kid, you know, that's saying things like this. And she's, it was very nice to her during the daytime. But at night, you know, it was always the, the mean man with the black dog. Um, and I didn't understand the significance of the dog at the time. But later, you know, of course, when you study it, you learn all of these things and, and what it means. Uh, now, the middle child, it really didn't mess with it. Oh, we lost him again. Yeah, we lost him again, everybody. Oh, another great story in the middle of this. Oh, I know. But it is just about break time anyway. Yeah, we, we actually have to take a break right now and uh, get some of these uh, commercials up and out. So let's go ahead and do that while we wait for him to come back. And uh, so stand by. And on this first break, just to let everybody know, we're going to have Dylan Holiday doing a cover after the commercial. And uh, so this is a, he does a great job on this song. So anyway, y'all hear it. So just stand by and let's get moving with this. Ben Franklin said, if you do the same thing tomorrow as you did today, you're going to get the same tomorrow as you got today. Changing the world starts with you. 
And changing you starts with changing the way you think. Late Night in the Midlands can help. Listen to all of our shows at latenightinthemidlands.com because things really do need to change. You can listen to the LNM Radio Network 24 hours a day, 7 days a week through the Paranormal Radio app. Available from lnmradionetwork.com or talkstreamlive.com on both Android and Apple. Our call to listen line is open 24-7. Dial 701-719-9704 so you can listen on the go. The LNM Radio Network and Late Night in the Midlands depends on you, the listener. Without you, there would be no us. So help us continue to bring you the best guests with the best information and subscribe today. Information on becoming an LNM subscriber can be found at the top of latenightinthemidlands.com. Just click the About Subscriptions tab and become part of the family while helping the truth stay alive. And while you're at it, maybe subscriptions aren't for you. A one-time donation helps as well. Click that Donate button on the right side of LateNightInTheMidlands.com and help us help you. So you think that you are better than everyone else. It makes you into the type of person who says, Ooh, I have a secret, but you're not ready to hear it yet. However, for $39.95, I'll let you in on the secret. You'll lead the people to the promised land for the cheap price of three easy payments of one-third of their soul apiece. Everybody, we are back live. My name is Eddie Hill. I'm your host of Paranormal Analytical. I have my co-host Renee Rodriguez, and also have Dylan Holiday, also known as the Big Quincy, who's with us as well. And just like to welcome you guys. And also our special guest is have Jeremy Leonard, and he is with us right now. And we're going to be getting back into the demonic portion of demons demonics what you can run into what you can expect what to do what not to do yeah get back into the demonics and jeremy welcome back thank you very much for being with us on the show thank you man appreciate it so uh let's talk a little bit more about what you got going on and uh right where we left off because we actually lost audio on you for there for a little bit wanted you wanted to know how i how you learn how to be a demonologist because you was cutting out so i couldn't really hear you yeah, let's let's go with uh, how how you learned to be a demonologist. Uh, well, actually, um, I wrote whenever I wrote the book of Dwelling a Dark Entity, um, a Roman Catholic priest actually read my book of all people, and uh, 
he contacted me and uh one of the things he told me was that he was really impressed how i you know i told a true story i didn't make myself out to be a hero and which i didn't um i did a lot of things and failed at a lot of different things and i actually wrote that into the book and you know i didn't hesitate to let the world know that i didn't know anything about demons at the time and i formed a friendship with him uh, and um after a while he decided to teach me the traits of demonology he was an exorcist for 30 years um and he was one of the most wonderful prolific people i've ever met in my life no matter what you would never shake his faith not for one second and uh, i couldn't ask for a better mentor than father padre uh, he passed away about two years ago. Um, but not only that, I mean, you know, when spiritual warfare in general is a calling, it's not something where you just wake up and say, hey, I want to be a demonologist. It's one of the things to where it finds you. If you're meant to be, you know, a spiritual warrior, it's going to find you no matter what you do. And in my case, you know, if you really think about the steps, how I got into the paranormal, being a UFO enthusiast to start with, um, you know, it, it, it's faith. Uh, if it's meant to be, it's going to be. And I always met the right people at the right time to mentor me uh, through demonology. And, you know, really, when you think about demonology, when you think of it in simple terms, all it is, you know, you, you got to think of think of Satan as dark. Okay, night, everything that's bad. You think of God as day, the light, everything good. So what do you have here? You have negative energy and positive energy. So really what you're doing is you're you're working with energy. You know, negative energy is going to attract itself to negative energy. Positive energy is going to attract itself to positive energy. And once you understand the spiritual tone, uh, terms, and relate them to energy, good, bad, night, day. You can't have one without the other. Uh, I find that it, it, it's more effective with trying to explain to people that don't follow the paranormal field and know the terms that we use in the paranormal and spiritual warfare in general. So, you know, I don't want to use the word dumbing it down for them, but, yeah, you know, you explain it to them to where your average person could understand what you're trying to tell them. And it makes things a lot easier uh, because, you know, spiritual warfare, that's exactly what it is. It's not something you do in the physical. It's done completely in spiritual, I mean, so... You know, when we say we're going to battle, well, we're going to battle spiritually. And one thing that I can tell you is if you're not pure of heart, if you, you know, doing an exorcism or into spiritual warfare for the wrong reasons, that demon is going to devour you and it is going to spit you out. You cannot hide your true self from a, from a demon. They know everything about you. They know your deepest, darkest secrets. And if you don't wear the so-called armor of God, you know, whatever religion you are, if you don't wear that armor, they're going to chew you up and spit you out. They will. They have no problem with revealing your deepest, darkest secrets for the world to know. They will destroy you. Now, if someone... Uh does have an entity, a demonic entity, latch onto them. What's something they can do to defend themselves uh, against this? Well, you know, it's, it's really quite simple, to be honest. And But that's when, when I tell you demons are very manipulative. They make you believe that no one can help you. You have the power. Okay, you have the power within yourself. And what I always tell people to do is you want to – 
tell it to leave. Well, they say, well, I'll tell it to leave, but it doesn't listen. That's because you're doing it empty, just like when you pray. If you pray empty shell, then nothing's going to happen. That's one of the things that I told Joy toward the end, you know, after the exorcism that night, that she resented God for allowing this to happen to her. Now, Joy was a very religious woman, and she couldn't understand why God let that happen to her. So when she would pray, she would pray as an empty shell, so to speak. This is what I always tell people. When spiritual warfare, visualization is a very powerful thing. And the reason that is because if you visualize what you want to happen, it makes it more real to you. Okay. So the more real it becomes to you, the more what is created positive energy because you're seeing it in your mind. Your mind is electrical. Every time you think you've got these little tiny neurons firing in your brain, Electricity never dies. It just transforms itself from one state to another. So let's really think about that. You have all this energy coming out of your brain, brain right, right now. Okay. And your subconscious mind on top of that. So it comes real. It's real. You truly believe in what you're doing. So what I tell people is take all the love in the world that you have for your kids, your husband, your wife, your mom, your dad, your aunt, whatever it is, whatever is your what was Peter Pan, your happy marbles or your happy memory. Okay. That's what made me fly. Same concept. Think of what makes you happy. All that love that you have, pull it from the floor, pull it into your heart to where it's there and you're just glowing and you're just getting goosebumps all over your body. Feel that positive charge, that positive energy, imagining yourself saying by the power of God, I command you to leave this house. But here's the key. Visualization, you visualize God standing right beside you. Jesus is standing beside you. When you talk, you visualize him talking. You move your your hand, you visualize him moving his hand. And then in a sense, it becomes him that's doing it, not you. You're just a physical vessel for him to do his work. That, my friend, is how spiritual warfare works. You you say that pretty much it's through our free will that we can fight this. Like I can fight this myself, not being a demonologist, not being a priest. I can, I have the power to defend myself. No, that, I mean, that's not necessarily true in, in general. Okay. If you were the one that was being oppressed, all right, by the spirit, you, the person, I would say, yes, you have the power, but being an outside person going in to do spiritual warfare. No, no, you have to understand because, for one, how do you even know you're dealing with a true demon? Because let me tell you, schizophrenia and bipolarism mimic possession very, very closely. And the last thing you ever want to do is the rite of exorcism on someone who is mentally ill. You will create more damage than good. You have to know the signs and the symptoms. You have to know how to be a, a detective. I mean, basically, in the world of demonology, you are a detective to know what you're dealing with. And if you don't know what that right that that entity has with that person, it's not going to leave until that right, and I mean as an R-I-T-E, is broken. But in the circumstances of if you feel that you yourself is being oppressed, and you do, like I stated, you know, call upon the archangels, you know, take all that love and everything and and do it through your free will. Yes, you can do that because you're not a third party. 
do you see a lot of a, a lot of mental illness in your field then yes you do you you do let me let me tell you this possession is very very rare i've only had four cases that is true possession um oppression is very common um what happens is mental illness is if you ever seen somebody with schizophrenia they will flip out you know there'll be a spell where five or ten minutes go by they don't know what they were doing it's like something else completely takes over same thing with possession you see a lot of people think that when a demon possesses someone it has control of that person 24 hours a day that's not true all right, that would be more towards your stage three possession, which is almost perfect possession, which would be what you've seen in Annandeville Hard. I mean, not Annandeville Hard, the exorcist. But that entity in most possessions will take over that person um, periodically for a matter of 10 minutes or so, and then it'll retract itself, and that person has no memory of what happened. Uh, same, same way with bipolarism. I mean, it, it, it's almost the same blueprint. However, as a demonologist, there are certain things that you can do to test to see if you're dealing with someone that's mentally ill or not. Now, I'll just give you one example. I was dealing with a couple on uh, in Biloxi, Mississippi. She claimed that she was under possession, and I really thought that she was, but I just needed to make sure. Well, being a good detective, I realized that she wasn't wearing any shoes. So what she done was she went up to go to the bathroom. So I told my wife to give me some holy water and I, and I poured it on the ground where I knew her feet were, would be. And I, and I fanned it so it would dry. I didn't want it to be wet. Well, I wanted to see if she would have a reaction when she sat back down. Well, as soon as she sat down, she grabbed her feet and she said they were on fire. So that told me right there everything I needed to know. And, and that just comes with the investigation side of things. Uh, most demons leave calling cards. And, and another thing, it's if you do battle with uh, – I've done battle with the same entity twice already. Uh, it's kind of like, you know, you get beat up, you want revenge, so you try to challenge that person again. So it, they have a way of, of getting you to them. Um, so, you know, it, it – you always have to be aware of that. And one thing that I will tell anybody that is interested in demonology is, do you really want to do that? And I say that because when you do that, when you initiate yourself to get into the field of demonology, you are basically cursing yourself for life in a certain sense. Because let me explain something to you. Those demons that are lurking in the dark, right behind you, they're always there. You know, they're waiting to get their revenge on you. They're waiting for you to be that moment where your will is broken and you're weak and they are going to attack you. See, I have to live my life as a back, like a seesaw, as a balancing act. I can never let myself get too negative, you know, but I'm a human being. It happens. There's no way I have bad days, but I have to learn how to balance my emotions and try to keep them lukewarm or straight because if not, they're going to attack me and I could get out of the field, this field and not do a case for 20 years, but they're still going to be there waiting. So it's one of those things. Once you step into that dark world, there's never a way to get out. And unfortunately, you know, that's one concept that I didn't really understand in the beginning. So let me ask you something, but Jeremy. I, now, I mean, I know that you said schizophrenia and everything closely resembles possession. How many people do you think are 
literally in, you know, psychiatric wards dealing with a possession when, you know, they're being, you know, basically told that they're schizophrenic. You know, actually, I think that happens a lot because Joy herself was committed. Her family had her committed to uh, a mental institution. And that's Joy is the one I wrote my book about. And Joy was a registered nurse. Okay, She was very educated. And they were only able to hold her for 48 hours or 72 hours. I forget what it is because she passed a psychological evaluation. But <clears throat> unfortunately, I think that happens a lot. There's a lot of people that do battle with, with possession um, with inside psych, psych wards. Uh, but, you know, I, we, wanna, we want to try to, listen, we, you know, we want, we want to be able to control everything. So, in other words, science tells us all oh, demons don't exist, spirits are not real, possession is not real. You know, so we're just going to give a, a medication to try to, you know, shut off that part of the brain for a little while. <laughs> and and it doesn't work. Um, that that actually so it's will a very make, sad thing, but it's true. Yeah, that'll actually make it worse, wouldn't it? Yeah, uh, well, yes, it would in a lot of ways. Um, but you got to remember, a lot of times it will suppress the entity somewhat for a short period of time. Because really, I mean, when you take psycho drugs, uh, stuff like that, what are you doing? You're actually deadening. You're numbing your brain, so to speak. Okay, so you're numbing your 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 motor functions. You're, you're numbing everything. So, you know, it, it all depends on what you're dealing with. I mean, look, obviously, if you're dealing with a powerful demon, that's not going to have no effect whatsoever. And when I say powerful, I mean like you know, you got to look at demons as an army, right? You have your generals, you have your commanders, you have your sergeants, you have your foot soldiers. Um, and most of the time you're dealing with foot soldiers. Very rarely do you ever get, you know, a named demon. Uh, a lot of people believe during exorcism, you get the demon to say its name. Well, then that's when you have the right. And I mean, R-I-T-E over it. But I don't necessarily believe that way. I never ask a demon to tell me its name because I don't want to give it that recognition whatsoever. I never talk to a demon during an exorcism. I will not acknowledge it. They will spit at me. They will call at you. They will tell your deep, dark secrets and all of those things, but I will never acknowledge it because that gives it its power, so to speak. Uh, so, yeah, what I always do is, this is what I do. If I'm gonna have to do a, a an exorcism on somebody, I'm not gonna do it in, I have, people at my disposal that I can get to go and evaluate that person before I do it. But I'm not a psych, I'm not, you know, I'm not a therapist or, or a psychologist or anything like that. Um, so I always get a second opinion because like I said before, the last thing you want to do is do an exorcism on somebody that is mentally ill. So after you cast these demons and also, out, where do they go? Do they live somewhere? Or just like like you and I, do they live in a certain realm? Do they do they live with us? You know, once you cast them out, where? Oh yeah, they end up going. I cast them to the foot of the cross for judgment. Uh, you know, one thing about an, an exorcism is I don't know if you ever read the rite of exorcism or spiritual warfare in general. Uh, it's very keen on what you want to happen. Um, demons have rights to people, okay? However it got there, playing with a Ouija board. So it's very important when you're doing the rituals itself. You have to close every 
possible door that that entity could, could have came in by. Because if you don't physically say it to close it, then it's not going to close. Like a lot of times I'll say, you know, I, I bind this house and rid this house of any evil acts such as witchcraft, sorcery, Satanism, you know, malface. You know, I'll go down the list and just completely clear it of everything because you have to make sure you close all of them doors and you ask where do they go when you cast them out well they go back to the spirit world i mean look let me tell you something there are, the spirit world is all around us spirits are around us every day if people knew what was around us at any given time we would lose our minds okay so in that spirit world you also have those dark entities but what you do is when you cast that demon out of that person you are closing that right in other words you are kicking them out of your house and you are locking the door just like i said before you have to invite them into your home well that's when you kick them out of your house and you lock the door but here's the key don't go back and unlock the door and let them back in. And unfortunately, that's the human factor side of things. Now, we you just know, had a, a question out. come in on uh, comments from uh, Sue Montague. And she says, personally, I think it's up to the medical professionals to diagnose medical issues. And that's true. But how many times are these misdiagnosed when you're talking about a possession? Um, you know, quite often. You know, but here's... When you deal with possession, you're going to have certain calling cards, for an example. All right, I've, every single house that I've ever been to where there was oppression or possession, you are going to smell the smell of sulfur. All right, that's a giving. They're going to tell you, okay, well, I'm hearing scratches in the wall. Well, can you tell me what time those scratches are happening? Three, 3 a.m., okay. Um, what else has happened? You know, they... Uh, that's when your investigative side kicks in. You have to know the right questions to ask. You already know the answer, but even if you're people that watch TV in general, demon shows, they're not going to know the question to these questions when you answer because unless that person is really experiencing that, they're not going to know. Just like if I ask a question to a person, they tell me they've seen a demon, and I ask them, well, what did it look like? You know, and if they don't tell me the answer that I know it's going to be, then you're not dealing with the demon. Now, unfortunately, we have very nasty spirits. Just because you have, um, you know, a, 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 a dark spirit in your house, you know, doesn't mean that it's not, it wasn't a, a, a living person at one time. I mean, let's face it, if you're a, a you know, a butthead in life, well, you're probably going to be a butthead after death, too. You know, I mean, it just kind of goes with the territory. Exactly. I mean, every haunting is not a spiritual being. But let me tell you this. This is one of the things that I run across all the time. And I want you all to really listen to this and really understand what I'm saying. All right. So, you know, people that live a very bad lifestyle. They've had relationship problems their whole life. They didn't get along with their mom and dad. You know, bad things always seem to happen to them. Well, they, you know, they take all that negative energy and they, they bottle it inside of them. Okay. The human body can only handle so much energy before that energy spews out into the house or an atmosphere wherever they're at. Now, I always like to say that that energy becomes self-aware. It actually becomes an entity, but it's not a spiritual being, which means it's not a demon. It is an extension of that person's subconscious mind. Our subconscious mind is very, very powerful. It's hooked into everything in our bodies. You know, our fingertips, I mean, it's everywhere. 
and it picks up on everything in the environment and where we're at. So what happens is when that subconscious mind gives this energy life, so to speak, you're going to have all the signs of a haunting. You're going to have objects being moved. You're going to have growling. You're going to see shadow figures. You're going to see all of this stuff. But it's not a demon. It is an extension of yourself. Now, I always like to say it's like a, a ghost that has an umbilical cord attached to that person. Now, unfortunately, doing exorcisms are not going to work in these cases. Spiritual warfare is not going to work in these cases. The only way to help these people is to help them release all the hurt, all the anger, you know, everything that they bottled up for all of those years. Help that person heal spiritually that's when the haunting stop in those situations so it's very important to understand just because you're dealing with something that you think is a demon as in a spiritual being doesn't not necessarily mean that's what it is you know think about what's going on in your life for the past you know five or ten years or whatever it takes you know has bad things been happening to you you know do you have hurt bottled up inside a lot of anger you know so with that being said i know y'all are probably like oh he might be on to something well let's go a step further here's a little experiment i want y'all to try tomorrow morning when you get out of bed you know that if you get out of bed and you stomp your toe well you're going to have a crappy day right it's going to be a very bad day that is because it's a mindset it's energy all right, you're putting out negative energy. So that negative energy is going to attract itself to other negative energy. And you are going to have a very bad day. Okay. Now, let's try this. Tomorrow morning, wake up out of the bed. Let's say it's going to be a beautiful day. Go to the store, get you some coffee. Open the door for the little old lady that walks in when you're walking out. She's going to say, thank you, baby. You say, no problem, sweetheart. I guarantee you it's just going to expand and expand. That positive energy is going to keep expanding and building off of itself. And you are going to have an awesome day. <laughs> Trust me. Try it. It will amaze you. All right, you. everybody, you need to try this next chance you get. But right now, we actually have to take a break. So we're going to go ahead and play our commercial, and we will be back to you all shortly. Available now, Troll Spray. Do you have problems with trolls? Do you constantly find yourself turning on the light of truth and find they come out of the woodwork after you? Give your trolls a quick squirt of Troll Spray and you'll be amazed at how quickly they flee. Troll Spray has been tested on all of the different types of trolls, chills, false prophets, doomsayers, sock puppets, and of course, those ever fearsome hostile radio show hosts. It works on them all. Get Troll Spray today, available only at LM Radio Network. Spray the trolls away with Troll 
spray. Why subscribe to Late Night in the Midlands, you ask? Well, I'll tell you why. Late Night in the Midlands covers everything. And through the thousands of expert guests who have joined Michael Vera on his show, come pieces of the big puzzle, which started many years ago. Michael and his guests reveal information dating back to the beginning of time. To this very moment, Michael Vera not only brings you the best guests with the best information, but Michael is not afraid to call out those who are less than honest. You see, in this day and age, we need a radio show we can count on and a radio host we can trust to expose the truth one show at a time. So become a late-nighter and subscribe now. Talk radio like no other. Late Night in the Midlands, bringing the truth back to talk radio. Late night in the middle. Great fear and trembling shall seize them, even to the ends of the earth. The earth shall be ruined, and all things will try and perish, while judgment shall come upon all, even upon all the righteous. Behold, he comes with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon them and destroy the wicked. Yet as God has appointed, so are all things brought to pass. No peace shall be to you. Do you think social media is the end-all be-all? Do you live and breathe by Facebook and other platforms? Do you spend hours and hours endlessly going through posts by alleged friends in an endless quest to have a life? You need Fake Away, available exclusively through the LM Radio Network. Our crack scientific teams have worked tirelessly to perfect this product and have made it available to you through this limited offer. Fake Away can solve the problems suffered by you and many others. It can help you understand you have been snowed by the fake media, the social media biases you encounter every time you click refresh, and even help your hair grow by keeping you from pulling it out over the smallest offenses. Get Fake Away today, only through LM Radio Network. Fake Away is not for shills, disinfo agents, lovers of politicians who keep screwing the country, constant end of the world predictors, liars, hostile radio show hosts, or snowflakes.
All right, and we're back live. We've had just about enough of that. So uh, good creepy music going on. But uh, welcome back, everybody. My name is Eddie Hill. I'm your host of Paranormal Analytical. And we are having a really good time on here talking about uh, demonics and demonic possession and that kind of a thing. We have my co-host, Renee Rodriguez. Also, my other co-host, Dylan Holiday, And we have our special guest, Jeremy, who is talking about demonics and possession and that sort of thing. And he is actually at work right now at the fire department, but he has taken this special time to talk to everybody and uh, let everybody know basically what goes on. Jeremy, welcome back, buddy. So let's uh, start off where what Dylan was asking you because nobody heard any of that on uh, on any of the media or anything. Okay, should I re-ask the question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. you go ahead and re-ask it, Dylan. Yeah, so um, media, we, we see, you know, we constantly see in media there's, you know, possessions and ghosts and spirits. And obviously that's stressed. So can you walk us through the real life, what happens and going on? Sure. You know, look, again, possession, you know, the media would like to have you believe that possession was real. Uh, which possession in itself is very rare. However, with that being said, and I hate to say that, however, with that being said, possession has actually picked up probably in the past five or six years. Um, oppression is very common. Um, with oppression, you know, the, the, the signs and symptoms of oppression is just going to be no matter where that person goes. In other words, if a house is haunted, you leave that house, well, the haunting remains with the house. Under oppression, the entity follows that person wherever it goes. And it's going to break down that person mentally, spiritually, you know, in that, 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 that phase. Now, let's use the, the movie The Exorcist for an example. Uh, the bed levitating... Uh, the head spinning backwards, uh, vomiting across the room, um, some green color, I think it was. You got to excuse me. It's been a very long time since I've seen The Exorcist. Um, that that doesn't happen in real life. What happens in real life when you do an exorcism on somebody? Um, they'll cry. They'll cry. Sometimes they will fight you. Uh, they will cuss you. They will try to uh, fight you. Um, they will say things about you that nobody knows except for yourself if you don't prepare yourself for that. The extent of what I have seen that I would say that closely mimics Hollywood would be is during an exorcism of an of a elderly man that I performed, I literally watched this man's face transform structurally, and I mean the bone structure and everything, transform from his face to a face of another. Um, and during the exorcism, the same man's face after it had turned into something else, there was a huge gash that was cut from the top of his forehead down to his side of his cheekbone. And it was a very deep gash wound. Now, towards the end of the exorcism, I actually seen that wound just mysteriously fade away on its own. And I seen the man's face turn back to his normal face, and he had no recollection of it whatsoever. But on the positive side, I want to tell you this. One thing that I have seen quite a bit of during exorcisms is 
I don't see it myself, but the clients will tell me afterwards that they see the roof open up and they see this this angel in white garments with gold trim with golden long hair. He comes out of the ceiling head first and he reaches out for him and I'll actually see them put their hands in the air sometimes. Um, and they say that he pulls out a sword and he stabs them in the chest with it and he pulls out the serpent. Um, that would be Archangel Michael. Archangel Michael is a very powerful warrior and it gives me chills when the first time I heard a client tell me that I was touched by it, but I didn't think too much of it until the second time the client told me the same exact story. And there's no way that they would know this. They don't know each other. They don't even live in the same state. And I was absolutely taken away by that. Uh, that just cemented my spiritual side of me even more. I mean, these people literally seen this with their eyes, even though I couldn't see it. It was as real as to them as me looking at this wall right now. And it completely touched their lives. And, you know, that one case took place three years ago and the other one took place about a year and a half ago. And to this day, both clients are perfectly fine. There's no signs of possession. The entity hasn't been able to return. So, so far it's been a happy story for them. You know, it, it's things like that, that I live for. Um, so I don't want to stray too far from your question, but yeah, Hollywood does over-exaggerate it a lot. Let, let me ask you a question, Jeremy. I mean, we're talking about uh, demonics and things of that nature, but so many times when investigating uh, different types of uh, so-called haunted houses or, or houses that have activity or some sort of spiritual thing taking place. So many people run into these dark shadow figures. What's your impression as far as these dark shadows go? Uh, you know, dark shadow people to me is, um, it, let's just look at it as, as energy. I mean, from that base, you know, that would be a negative energy. I mean, you have to think of a, how do ghosts show themselves? Uh, they they have to pull energy from something, correct? Uh, they'll use batteries. They'll use whatever for the equipment. So you know, I think you have a lot of bad spirits out there, and they're not they're not demons, okay? But they are evil spirits. We'll use the word evil spirits. Now, when we use the word demon, we're let's use it as a word as a spiritual being. Okay, which means it was never born. It didn't come from this earth. It comes from somewhere else. It is a spiritual being. Now let's use the term ghost or or or, or uh, negative entity. Let's just use it as the word negative entity. Okay, a negative entity is something that's dark. Okay, it has a lot of dark energy with it. Um, you know, it's evil for say, but it's not a spiritual being. It, it, you know, it could be the, the spirit of a serial killer, you know, somebody that's done a lot of bad stuff in life or something like that, you know, and that's why I try to tell you, if you, if you was an a-hole in life, well, you're going to be the same way in death, you know, and also you have to understand when a spirit feeds off of something, let's just say a negative, uh, a negative entity feeds off of negativity, well, it's feeding itself, and that's what part of makes it get more and more powerful. You know, um, it, it, it's, it's one of those things to where it, it gets really complicated at times, and a lot of people think that, well, you know, I got this going on, and, 
You know, it just gets this real creepy feeling. This don't feel right. They think it's a demon. Look, I hate to break the news to everybody, but every spirit you come across, everything's not a demon. You know, the the whole demon thing seems to just be this popular faith that the paranormal world in general is going through because, let's face it, ghost hunting got old. Ghost hunting shows has gotten old. So we want to go to something a little bit more dark. But, you know, you don't run across demons every day. Um, and if you don't really open yourself up to these things, and uh, you know, hopefully you don't have anything to worry about. But who's to say that in the same sense, See, this is where it gets really complicated because in the same sense, they're going to hang out in some dark places, you know, like the old abandoned hospitals and stuff like that where ghost hunters come in. That They're going to hang out where they get a chance to get noticed. Put it to you like that. Um, you know, so when that's why you always, I tell ghost hunters all the time, be very, very, very careful when you're doing EVP sessions and you're trying to communicate with spirits. I have seen stuff on Facebook that just makes me want to just throw my phone against the wall and say, and be like, are you that stupid? You don't do that. You play with fire, sooner or later you're going to get burned. You always take that very seriously. Never, ever get personal with something like that that you can't see and you don't know what it is because I'm going to tell you, they're not going to present themselves as demons. They're going to present themselves as something lovable and likable. That way, you'll want to communicate with it. That way, you'll invite it in. Let me, t- let me ask you something. We actually handled a case uh over here in Texas, which uh, was very demonic. And I was talking about it earlier where the grandmother kept calling in this uh, demonic entity, which was harassing this little girl. It was a dark shadow would throw her stuffed toys around, kind of like a lot of poltergeist activity. And, uh, you know, we weren't real sure what to make of it at first. And we went in there, you know, all, you know, supercharged, ready to go. But this uh, 13-year-old girl was uh, talking to us about it, and I was thinking, well, it could be poltergeist activity. You know, we got a 13-year-old girl. We have, uh, you know, all these hormones taking place at this time, and it's known pretty much all over the world that any time you have a, a girl going through, uh, some, uh, you know, through that phase in life, uh, that a Absolutely. lot of times you end up with uh, activity that, that just sparks up out of, right. out of, out of, you know, wherever. And this is kind of what mm-hmm. we were thinking when we first started dealing with it. Now the issue came. When uh, we were actually, you know, knee deep into the into the investigation and we'd finished our first night out there and it was crazy. I mean, I had all kinds of EVPs that were calling my name. We had all kinds of uh, different types of noises. And I mean, it sounded at one point in time like the hole upstairs was getting tore apart by a tornado. When in fact, when we went up there, nothing had happened. Um, we had uh, one where I actually called out this thing. Uh, at the beginning not knowing any better at the time because this was way back at the at the beginning and uh i actually called it out and said you know you like scaring 13 year old little girls come scare me and uh, i didn't hear anything at that point but when i played the video back on the video itself uh, where i was recording myself in infrared uh, a voice came out and it said i'm so scared like what are you going to do to me you know and uh basically taunting me back well you know, after all this kind of stuff took place, I gathered up all our evidence and I sent it over to John Zaffis. And uh, he's the one that uh, he called me back personally and told me, he goes, hey, you're dealing with uh, a demonic entity there. He goes, you need to be very careful. 
Well, it wasn't long after that where the entire team started having different dreams and visions and things of that uh, as far as in Mm -hmm. their sleep. Uh, The whole team was seeing these dark shadows in their house. Um, I had Mm -hmm. one dream in particular of a little girl in a yellow polka dot dress. And I was in the upstairs portion of this house and the floor was kind of melting and sinking into like an abyss. And there was a bad thunderstorm and there was a little girl in a polka dot dress, yellow polka dot dress. And uh, she was uh, asking for help, you know, to help her. And I was trying to reach her, but I couldn't reach her because the floor was almost like this you know, melted bubble gum basically is what it felt like, you know, in the dream. And uh, one of our other investigators had the same dream with the same little girl. I mean, is this something that is common during these types of investigations? Absolutely. Yes. They are very, very common. Look, when before I do an investigation, I, it's very common. And I have it happen to me a lot. Of time. I'll call them demonic drive-bys, kind of like a gangster drive-by. In other words, if, if right before I'm, I'm going to take a case in a day or two before I go, and that entity is going to come to my house and make himself known. In other words, he's telling me, you better not. Don't you dare come here. Because they know you're coming. They know everything. I mean, they're very, very intelligent. And throughout the investigations, whenever you deal with demonic cases like that, you're, you're going to have dreams. Uh, there's certain case that I took a while back that I, me and another guy, me and another spiritual warrior, um, he wasn't from the Roman Catholic side as I was. He was, uh, he was actually a, uh, a pagan and, um, the guy was pure of heart. I mean, he had good means, but, um, I had a dream and he had a dream at the very same time to where he was standing in a tunnel. And I was standing behind him, and the entity was standing on the other side of the tunnel. And I could see the entity, and I even drew the picture for him and everything. The horns kind of came around like a ram would. And, uh, you know, I asked him about that dream. And he told me that that was the same exact dream he had. He actually described the entity and what it looked like. And and in the dream, the entity was, was charging toward us. And I woke up right before it got to us. So, you know, things like that, those, those kind of dreams, uh, if you really decode what those dreams are, what's happening with those dreams, it is a, it's a form of spiritual warfare. Again, you know, you, you, it's kind of like your troops training to prepare themselves for battle. So, you know, those, those kind of things happen, and especially in y'all's, y'all's case. Um, you know, demons can pick up on energy. They know what kind of person they, you are. They know everything about you. They understand demons truly despise people that have strong minds, that have very strong wills, because that puts them in a rage because they want to break that wheel. You know, they want to break the wheel of anything and everything they come across. That's why it's so, uh, that's why it's so important for them. If they actually go after, say a priest, it's almost like a major trophy for them. Absolutely. It is a, it is a major trophy. If they can break, all right, let's use the, the, let's use, uh, Andy DeVille horror for an example. When the priest came to that house, Okay, in the movie, even though that is exaggerated, it did not happen quite that way. When that priest came, but it's a perfect metaphor of what that demon's trying to do. That priest got in that house. He was very uneasy. You can tell he was very uneasy. 
Number one rule, you never show fear to a demon. I don't care how scared you are, you never show fear, okay? You could be trembling inside, you do not show fear. But in the movie itself, the priest was showing fear. He was very edgy. You know, he didn't want to go in there. He was in a hurry to get out of the house. He got in the upstairs room. You could see the fear in his eyes. And when the entity said, get out, well, at that point in time, his will was completely broken. So, yes, that was a trophy. That was a defeat for a demon, you know, that they are going to feed off of. Uh, that's why, again, and I know it's about easier said than done. Believe me, I know I've been there. I've been terrified of certain situations, and it's even worse when you can't show how scared you are. Yeah. Because if you are, they're going to eat you. They, I mean, they're going to completely destroy you. Give you a little short story. I have seen uh, a Pentecostal preacher was going to come and help a client of mine. And I was there early that day. I got there when the Pentecostal preacher drove up. He was very cocky. He was very arrogant, man. And when he drove up, this guy weighed, he was probably about six foot tall, weighed about 300 pounds. I watched this man get slammed to the ground by something that was not there. Okay, and it held him on the ground for about 30 to 40 seconds. This man is screaming like a, like a two-year-old kid being held down. He was completely terrified. When that thing finally released him, he jumped in his car and he told the client to never call him again. So, you know, that goes to show you that you, you can hide and camouflage to other people who you really are. But when you come face to face with something like that, you can't fool them. They know exactly who you are. And I mean that by who you are spiritually as a person. You know, whether you have a good soul, a bad soul, what's your intent on things? That's why I always say if you're going to be in spiritual warfare, you, you have to do it for the right reasons. You can't do it for fame fortune or think you're going to end up on tv this that and the other because that's the wrong reason okay i've got a i got a, a couple more I've, uh, actually i've got a couple more things i want to tell you real quick one um when we actually started in on this and i was told that we should you know basically turn it over to the you know to some sort of church or, or somebody you know in order to somebody that's got experience with this to basically do a cleansing or an exorcism of sorts of the place uh i was also mm -hmm. told that i was going to look at religion very differently by the time this was all over i didn't quite understand what was meant by that until i actually started trying to get help and you know make this happen for this family and right across the street was a Baptist church that wanted no part of it. Uh, the, the minister there seemed extremely weak at heart. I mean, and he was leading a congregation, which really upset me at the time. Uh, I went and talked with the Catholic church and uh, spoke with a good friend of mine who's a Monsignor. And he was very helpful, although he couldn't do anything without the blessing of a bishop, of course. But uh, he did, you know, load me down with a lot of ammo and, you know, everything to take with me to, for us to actually try and take care of it. You know, which to me kind of seemed like sending in the Boy Scouts to do the work of the Marine Corps. And uh, right. but we went and we did our best because we knew that we needed to help this family as much as we could. Well, the girl that was actually reading uh some of the spiritual warfare type prayers as we were walking through uh she collapsed and i had to pick her up and basically hold her up while she continued reading because she was so weak but i didn't want her to stop because she started it and i didn't want her to quit 
And, uh, you know, I didn't want to have to switch people because that would just show weakness on her part. So I, I had her finish as I helped her around because she was literally collapsing on her feet. And uh, it was a really, really, really bad deal. But, uh, you know, make a long story short, you know, the you know, we'd get rid of it. It would come back. We'd go back, get rid of it. It'd come back. Finally, the little girl told us to stop doing that because her grandmother was the one involved in calling this thing back by the use of a Ouija board. And... Uh, we ended up getting the little girl back with her mom and dad instead of her grandmother because her grandmother was basically looking for the attention and all this stuff she was doing was in order to enhance that and get us back to her place because she liked the attention it was giving her. Now, uh-huh. uh, that being said, the next thing I was going to bring up also is, uh, I forget the guy's name, but there's a guy that runs around and travels all over the place basically casting demons out. Got reddish hair and a beard. I forget what his name is, but... Um, do you think that is more for show, or do you think that it's actually taking place and he's actually doing some good, if you know who I'm talking about? Yes, I know who you're talking about. No, you look, that is that is all for show. You know, that, that is all for self-gain. And, and that, that, that's what aggravates me more than anything whenever, you know, you talk about, you know, the whole paranormal field in general. is everything seems to be now for our own self-gratification. So it, it's not that easy. And, and like you said, you know, you would cast it out, get rid of it, it come back. Well, make a long story short, that's very common in spiritual warfare. Unlike a ghost hunter, they can go into a home and do an investigation and move on. Well, when you get involved in a case, it's never that easy. You're looking at probably the next three or four weeks, even longer of your life, yeah, being longer. tied up to the street because it's not that easy. Um, sometimes you may have to actually perform the right of exorcism more than once. But, you know, when, when you were telling me about the uh, woman that was doing the spiritual warfare and she, she collapsed, uh, you know, I'm just sitting here grinning because, again, this is things that only people that have actually participated would know. It is look when I do an an exorcism or a home or on a person, it is it's literally like being hit by a bus. It takes every bit of energy out of you. You are so tired, you will literally sleep for the next two days. <clears throat> it's a very very draining thing. It pulls everything you have out of you, and I even think it takes years off of your life every time you do it. So that makes perfect sense to me. And Tucker, about looking at, at religion in a different life, you are absolutely right, because with Joy's case, when I wrote the book about it, I've done the same thing, and I got shunned by preachers that are supposed to be men of God, shunned me for even wanting to be involved in trying to help this family. They didn't care. You see, a lot of religions, they think of, of demons as, as, a, as a metaphor, that it's not a true physical thing. Well, I hate to tell them this is real as it gets. Well, you know, the crazy thing, Jeremy, is that this minister, he told me flat out, he said, I know what goes on in that house, and I'm not stepping foot in it. Well, after he said that, I mean, I kind of went through the roof, and I let off with a bunch of choice words. And, uh, you know, I, I, I was like, you know, I, I couldn't believe my ears, you know, that, you know, I, and I flat out told him, I said, you know, you're leading a congregation, you're willing to accept monies from people, you know, to keep this uh, church going, keep it alive. But yet you won't walk across the street and at the very least do a blessing of this house because you're afraid, you know, to, to me, that shows that he had no faith at all. 
Yeah, it's a job. It's a job to them. You know, that's that's why I try to tell people. Just because you have a, you know, like a case that I've dealt with recently, she said, well, I had a priest come to my house and bless the house, and it didn't work. The priest was in a hurry to leave. Well, I hate to tell you, but just because someone is a priest doesn't mean that they're pure of heart and they're in the right place spiritually. You know, some people, it's a job. It's, it's a way of life. I mean, think about it. You become a priest, you get to live in a convent, and, and the priesthood and the, the Roman Catholic takes care of you for the rest of your life. You know, you don't pay for nothing. I mean, I, I hate to say that, but it's the truth. You know, one thing that I can tell you about spiritual warfare is one thing that you do learn, too, is whenever you do it is to separate man-made religion from what it really is meant to be you know, preach the word of what Jesus Christ himself said and, you know, not go by, well, the Roman Catholics are better than the Baptists because they do this. You know, the Baptists are better than the Pentecostals because they do this. You know, you think about it, it's a church. They make money by getting more people in, so naturally they have to say, well, why is my church better than this church down the road? You have to look at religion as what it is. You know, I hate to tell people, but religion, you know, people always tell me, you know, I don't want to turn to God because I don't want to go to church. They got a bunch of people that go to church. You know, they in church Sunday morning, but Saturday night they're in the bar. Like I tell people, the church is not a physical building. Okay, the church religion is in your heart. That's your personal relationship. Yeah, it's it's going to be God. your your actual okay. belief in it. That's what that's it, what. It, absolutely, it is a personal relationship with God. A church is just a place you go to worship together with other people. It's a congregation. That's all it is. The true church, the heart and soul of religion of what Jesus pro- preached. I'm sorry, what Jesus preached himself was here. And Jesus said, if you're born again and you use my name, you can cast out demons. Just like the Roman Catholic churches now. Now, I learned this from a Roman Catholic priest himself. The Roman Catholic Church tells us that nobody can perform an exorcism except for a Roman Catholic priest, correct? Was Jesus Christ a priest? No. Was he Roman Catholic? No. He was not. If anything, he was Jewish. Okay, so if Jesus can do it, and he was a Roman Catholic priest, then, and he gave his disciples the authority to do it. They weren't Roman Catholic priests, so what's different than me? All right, I accept God as my Lord and Savior. I was saved again. When I do spiritual warfare, I do it in his name, and guess what? It works. It works That's right. very well. Well, real quick, so, Jeremy, we've got to take a again, quick break, man. Uh, it's, this one's only going to be about a minute, everybody. We'll be right back. This is going to be very short, and we're going to get right back to this because we're getting into the nitty-gritty. And, Jeremy, hold that last thought because we're going to continue off right where you left off. The LNM Radio Network is growing like wildfire, and here is your chance to get your message to the masses. We are the number one radio network in the land with 30 quality shows and counting. We are the best bet on the internet and the AM-FM dial, being carried by several stations and being heard in more than 100 countries. And who else can say they have Midnight in the Desert with Heather Wade? Exactly. So for more information on advertising with LNM Radio, just contact Michael Vera at MV at LateNightInTheMidlands.com or Ira Robinson at feedback at openeyesnetwork.com. Again, MV at latenightinthemidlands.com or feedback at openeyesnetwork.com. 
Sportsbook.com. All right, everybody, we are back. I told you that was going to be short. That didn't take long at all. Short and painless. Jeremy, let's take off where you left off. Okay, well, you know, for example, I could tell y'all many, 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 many times people would message me on Facebook, you're a demonologist, right? Yes, sir, or yes, ma'am, I sure am. What qualifies you to be a demonologist? You're not no Roman Catholic priest. You can't do the rite of exorcism or whatever if you're not a Roman Catholic priest. You know, it's stuff like that that just blows my mind of how easily people are led to believe, you know, whatever suits society or whatever society in general wants you to believe. And, but I don't pay no mind to it because I understand it for what it is. What is that person trying to do to me? They're trying to send negative energy my way. And I'm smart enough then to pick up on that. I don't even engage in the, in the argument with them anymore. You know, I know what what I can do through the grace of, of Jesus and my you know, my Lord. Uh, so I try not to ever take credit for it uh, because I feel that if you take the credit and the glory away from him, then <clears throat> you're going to lose that battle. So I'm always very, very, very grateful, and I will give him all the credit for, for the spiritual warfare side of it. I'm just a physical vessel for it. For him to do his job but you know you, you get that a lot and especially in the paranormal realm everybody is an expert and they know what they're talking about this that and the other so you know that's why i always use the metaphor to look at it as positive and negative energy so you know you're gonna you're gonna receive what you put out so if you put out the positive side you're gonna receive the positive side now <laughs> dylan renee either of you have anything that you're gonna interject on this oh yeah I got a quick question here. So you were talking about um, having faith in Jesus. Now, it kind of makes it sound like only Christians. I know you didn't say it quite this way, but only Christians can fight the demons. So if I was from a different faith, uh, let's say I was Jewish, could I do the same thing as you're doing? Because if, 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 if I don't invoke the name uh, of Jesus Christ. and I invoke You know what? I'm going to be quite blunt and honest with you, and I know I'm going to get a lot of flack for this, but it is what it is because I have seen it with my own eyes. No, you do not. I choose to Catholic. I choose to be a Christian because that's what I am. I have seen people with pagan backgrounds battle demons and win. I have seen witches, white witches, battle demons and win. Like I say, I know I'm going to get a lot of flack for this, but the truth is the truth. You can't hide it. I have a good friend of mine that is a witch, and I have seen this man go to battle with demons and win. So, no, you do not. That's why it's important to look at it as positive energy and negative energy. You are manipulating energy. You're removing negative energy within a person or within a home and you're replacing it with the positive energy. Now, I don't care what religion you are, where you come from, we can all understand energy. It's either good or bad, positive or negative. We hook it up to our car when we put a battery in our car. Okay, same way when we put a battery in a toy or remote control, there's a positive side and a negative side. We connect the dots. So regardless of what people tell you, Oh, you got to be a Christian to be able to do spiritual warfare, this, that, and the other. They're lying. Because here's the true fact. Pagans have demons, too. 
They have people that they consider God. They also have people that they consider demons. It's the same exact demons. They just go by different names and different religions. So don't let anyone ever fool you with that. Well, how many different entities have you? I know we've been talking about angels and ghosts and demons now. Now, how many other entities have you run into that you know of? Have you ever heard of an elemental? Yes. Yeah, if I ran across one of them, they're quite playful. <laughs> um, Can you explain what an yeah, elemental is? I, an elemental? Yes. An elemental is, uh, I call them guardians of nature. They're, they're not demons and they're not angels. They're kind of like something in between. They're kind of like the spirit of uh, Mother Nature. Let's use Mother Nature for an example. Okay, best way to describe this is an elemental is the spirit of Mother Nature. Um, they're little troll-like creatures <laughs> that that you see, you find them out in trees and stuff like that. Um, I got called to a case. A paranormal team asked me to come in. Um, they were having some issues, but they didn't know they were they could they couldn't quite figure out what was going on. But something would terrify the horses at night. Uh, they was actually photos of stuff, stuff being tossed around by something that wasn't there. Um, <clears throat> so. Again, I had no psychic abilities whatsoever. I've just been doing it for so long I know how to pick up on it. So I'm walking back there, and there's a tree. And, I, I, you know, something's drawing my attention to this tree, and I'm sitting there and looking. And, you know, I I see the shape shift, I guess, for like a split second. It's a little troll thing. And I say, well, oh, you have an elemental there. So knowing what I know about spiritual warfare with an elemental, what you do is you plant a, a fruit tree or something in the backyard. You tell the elemental that is theirs. No one else can touch it, never touch it again. And guess what? They never had any other problems. They're very easy to please. Now, I mean, even in Joy's house, there, I think I have one photo where there's an actual picture of an elemental in the living room. So there's different elementals for different, um, let's say, sure. one for sure. the, uh, water, yeah. one for, for, for you know, trees, one for rocks. No, 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 no. It, it doesn't go that far, no. Uh, you know, elementals are just basically spirits that live on the land. The land is kind of what gives them their energy. So we use the, the word energy again. They feed off of the, the energy of the land. They're not evil. You know, they're not angels or anything like that. They're just basically spirits another of the land, form. wild spirits, so to speak. So, yeah, they they're don't just really basically just another like, animal harm. living with us. What? They're basically like another animal living with us. I know they're yeah, not absolutely. animals. absolutely. And if you go into folk tales, they would be like uh, leprechauns or, or trolls or fairies, you know, stuff like that. You know, a lot of these legends all have their root where it it's it, it spawned off of something. In other words, leprechauns. Leprechauns would be what I would call elementals. I mean, let's think about what leprechauns do. They live in trees. They live in the wilderness. They're little troll-like creatures, you know, with their gold. So... In, in hindsight, a lot of these things like leprechauns, fairies, so they all have their origin of truth, where they come from. And a lot of that has to do with the, with the spirit world. 
I mean, you have to think about it. Our ancestors understood spiritual spirituality a lot better than I think we do in modern times. They were very much more in tune with the spiritual side of the world than we are because they didn't have TVs. They didn't have cell phones. They didn't have all of those things. So, you know, I think they were a lot more tuned into the spirit world in a vibration sense than we are because they weren't distracted by those things. And that's where a lot of your legends come from. Yeah, we've we've lost our way, at least the Western world. I know I've said this before, but we've lost our way uh, because you said technology. We don't live off the land anymore, so we don't have to pay attention to the seasons. We don't have to pay attention to what's going on outside. We're always indoors. We're always protected. So we kind of lose our senses, our true senses, and we kind of get dull just because we're stuck inside watching TV all day. Absolutely. You know, if you go back through history, the Indians, the Egyptians, um, the the Greek, everything, and and read their theology, they were all in tune with the spirit world. Every culture, again, they had different names for them. They had different gods, so to speak. But in general, it was all the same beings. It just goes by different names of different cultures. Uh, and just like, you know, the pyramids, I mean, let's use pyramids for an example. Yeah, you got, you got pyramids in Egypt, you got pyramids in New Mexico, you got pyramids in Europe. Um, uh, back then there, there, there weren't no vehicles. So these different cultures didn't learn to build these pyramids from the other cultures. So it just goes to show you that they were a lot more in tune than we are. Oh, they were in tune with each other. You talk about the planet in general is more in tune with each other. Yeah, I mean, you know, it depends on what side you want to take on the whole alien theory. You know, did aliens come here and build the Egypt or, or were they, you know, what are aliens? Are they actually from another planet or are they interdimensional beings that can come in and out of this dimension? So, I mean, it just really depends on what you want to go with and what you believe. Me personally, I have come to believe that aliens are not really from other planets. They're interdimensional. Um, so... You know, if you tie in the, the, the Nephilim theories and all of that kind of stuff, the giants before the flood of Noah and all of that kind of stuff that has to do with the 200 fallen angels that fell, Mount Hermon, uh, and you tie all of those things in. And also, you know, for a certain sense, like the gray aliens. Now they're saying that the gray aliens are genetically genetically engineered bio-aliens. In other words, they're not, they're not like... You know, human. Well, not human. They're not alive. They're they're biologically engineered. In other words, they're not robots, but they're made biologically. Well, think about it. If you're a spirit or something, well, guess what? You could possess that bio suit basically and live within that. If you don't have anything else, another body to live in or something. So, I mean, I'm not saying that's the case. I'm just throwing that out there as a short. Well, that's theory, a popular but, topic now. Is that uh, supposedly all the aliens are all demons? I know they became really yeah. popular for a while. Yeah, that, so, that's something that, that's big, too, now. I mean, they're, they're all aliens and they're all demons. Uh, you know, if God was to appear to me today as an alien from another planet, as an actual being, would that completely destroy my religious belief? No, it wouldn't. Because even though he's a physical being, he created the earth, the heavens, everything. He's the creator. Just because he, he's an actual, you know, body or, or a physical body or an alien from another planet, what difference is that to me? Yeah, I mean, if he's still my God, my Lord, and still has the power and risen his son from the dead, that's all I need to know. 
you know, Jeremy, it's really interesting you brought this up because Eddie told me to research this topic the other day. And the topic uh, that you're describing when you talk about an other worldly creator is the belief of Anunnaki. And that is a, a race that through Sumerian tablets, basically, we have found that their origin the story and our origin story parallels. It's the same. Um, yeah, well, a and, lot, a lot of it says that we were we were made genetically engineered by the Anunnaki. Mm -hmm. You know, but my thing is this: who created the Anunnaki, and who created the race that created the Anunnaki? Somewhere along the line, the origin of life and the origin of creation is going to spawn from one place. The the big the, it's consciousness, I guess you can say. Uh, absolutely, that, absolutely. You know what? If you want to look at God as as consciousness. I'm perfectly fine with that. Does that does that bend my faith in any way, shape, or form? No, it doesn't. Does that does that bend my faith that Jesus Christ came here and died on a Christ? I mean, on the cross and was risen from the dead. No, that does not sway my belief one bit. I truly believe that Jesus rose from the dead. You know, but like you said. Something was created from something. It just didn't create from nothing. Now, whether the original origins of creation is from consciousness, could be. But guess what? That's something intelligent. That is an intelligent design from. So either way you want to look at it, if you want to look at consciousness as energy, which is basically what it is, you know, that goes back to spiritual warfare, the way I try to explain it. It's positive energy and the negative energy. So it, it, it's absolutely fascinating when you sit there and think about all the fear that you could look up and try to tie everything you know together. It's absolutely just phenomenal. Now, Jeremy, we have uh, we're, we're getting down to the very end and the nitty gritty of everything. And with that in mind, can you tell me what your most uh, I want to say? Which moment in your whole career of doing this was your most fearful? What what scared you the worst of this whole thing? You know, believe it or not, one of the worst fears that one of the worst things that ever happened to me was uh, uh, I had a, a couple, a young couple, contact me, and you know they thought something had been following her for a very long time. Well, me and my wife went that night, and we I always have a team that goes with me. And um, there's certain reasons for that, and I'll explain it in a minute. Well, I always interview people before I, I go any further. I, I want to try to tap into their subconscious mind and figure out what's going on there. Well, you know, I, I really thought that something was going on. I thought that there was a little bit of truth, truthfulness of what she was going telling me, and I thought there was something really there. Well, I couldn't do the delivery or the exorcism until I had my team with me. Well, so I had made plans to go back the following weekend. Well, two days later, she come, he calls me and says that they had a really bad night last night and things got really bad. And I said, okay, well, me, I'm on my way. So me and my wife left and we headed up there. And I got there before he got off of work and me and my wife were talking with the client when he walked in the door. And he was very agitated from the get-go. 
And we were sitting at the table, and he told me, he said, Jeremy, you know I love you, right? He said, but right now, I don't know why. I just want to punch you square in the nose. I want to break your nose. And I told him, I said, well, don't worry about that. That's just the entity trying to manipulate you. And um, I got ready to do the deliverance of the exorcism. I always get the patient to tell me physically they want me to perform an exorcism on them because when they do that, that means they're opening themselves up to me. Uh, so I made him go outside whenever I was doing the exorcism on her because I didn't have, usually there's a guy there, his job is to protect me because once I start the ritual, I can't stop it. I started doing the exorcism on her, and when the demon was expelled out of her, I knew the exact moment because when it passed through me whenever it, it was expelled from her, and it done that as a way of mocking me. In other words, you can just feel that energy go right through your body. The boy said he was outside smoking a cigarette, and he heard this voice say, get the gun out of the effing car, knock down the effing door, and blow his effing brains out. Well, next thing I know, there's somebody banging on the wall. I mean, kicking the door. He's literally trying to kick the door in, open the door. He has a gun in his hand. He goes to point it at me, and I grab his hand and pull the gun away from me and twist his hand. And I start hollering at him, stop it, stop it. Don't listen to it. Don't listen to what it's telling you. Don't listen to what it's telling you. Finally, my wife, Ray, was able to get the gun away from him. And uh, that's when he told me that the, the entity told him to blow my brains off. Now, I know when y'all ask what's the most scary thing that's ever happened, that would have to be it because that was something that I couldn't control. You see, when I'm doing the exorcism on the spiritual side, I can control that but I can't control what happened to me that night. Me and my wife could have easily lost our lives that night. And that's why it's very important for people to learn from that, that this is very real. It's very dangerous. It's not something you want to go and try and do if you don't know how to do it and what you're doing. I'm not saying you can't learn. I'm not saying that. But when I'm saying it before you attempt it you really need to have a grasp of it and understand what it is before you do it because it can get very deadly it can kill you just like it almost did me that night and that's something i'll never forget i don't believe my, my wife reminds me of that event all the time yeah i would have to say that is pretty scary you know i i couldn't imagine uh dealing with somebody like that who's trying to pull a gun and, and trying to hurt in a case like that because you know that person has no control Absolutely. And I mean, if, 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 if I would not have grabbed his arm in the right place that I did and was able to twist his wrist back, I would not be talking to you right now. It's as simple as that. He was going to kill me. There is no if, if, if buts about it. He told me sitting right there, he was going to kill me. And the funny thing is to that story, though, after it, I done a deliverance on him, I didn't do a full exorcism because he wasn't under possession. He was just being influenced. So basically what I done was I just cleansed him, so to speak. And then after I done the exorcism on him, he wanted to know if we all wanted to go to the casino and go gambling together. An hour <laughs> earlier, he was ready to kill me. So, you know, that's why I tell you. And that's also why it's very important for paranormal investigators when they go into these situations like this. That thing can manipulate their mind. You know, it it can make you even say, oh, there's nothing here. But I, look, I've had to manipulate my mind before in a real serious case. It convinced me that there wasn't nothing there. You know, 
Um, <clears throat> I had growing pains like anybody else. You know, this is early in my career. And uh, I had to learn things sometimes the hard way. You know, like I say, I have no, no shame at telling people where I mess up. I'm a human being. I do things wrong sometimes. You know, we, we live and we learn. I mean, the most important thing is we don't dwell on the bad things that we, that we didn't get right. We need to, to dwell on the good things that we did get right. So it's really important to understand that. Well, Jeremy, listen, man, we're going to be out of time. So if you would, uh, if there's some final words that you can give or advice you can give to anybody wanting to get into the paranormal and get into this field, uh, what would that be? My advice to them would be to feel, to, to get into this field for the right reasons. If you want to help people, then that's what you do. Always be positive. Always fill yourself with positive energy because positive energy and negative energy cannot coexist. They can't occupy the same space at the same time. And that would be our heart, our consciousness, our soul, who we are. So let's just keep ourselves positive and be willing to help one another out there instead of proving each other that I'm better than you. And I think once we get to that point to where we could truly be grateful and willing to help each other, then I think that this field will go in the right direction and hopefully give us some answers. Awesome. We appreciate it, Jeremy. Jeremy Leonard, everybody, if you have a chance, uh, pick up his book. Jeremy, if you want to give them an address where they can go look at that as well. Um, yeah, you can get it on Amazon.com. Um, it's called The Dwelling a Dark Entity, or better yet, go to Amazon, type in my name, J-E-R-E-M-E instead of a Y, E instead of a Y, L-E-O-N-A-R-D, and it should pop right up. I think the paperback book's only like $4. I didn't write the book to make a million dollars. I actually wrote the book for my daughter, so when I'm long gone, she'll know what I went through. Um you can find me on Facebook at Jeremy Leonard or the Cajun Demonologist Life page. And I'll also be doing a, I'm doing a paranormal event in the Pennsylvania and the, the Salem area in September. So if you got any listeners out that way, be looking out that way. I'll Dylan. be out there and uh, it'll be a good time. Well, hey, you have a host from that area. <laughs> yeah, well, Dylan's from over there. Oh, Dylan, you got to come see me, brother. I've been seeing you on that screen over there. Even though you're yep. being quiet, I've still been seeing it. <laughs> well, it sounds like a winner. Listen, we appreciate it, Jeremy. Jeremy Leonard, everybody, you know, visit his page, check out his book. Uh, he's full of a lot of information. And if you're into the paranormal or you plan on getting into the paranormal, please be careful. Please protect yourself and learn as much as you can before you get yourself into a situation that you know, you may not want to be in. So just uh, watch it and, and, you know, you just got to, you know, really, really protect yourself when you're dealing with a spiritual or spiritual type warfare and, and these uh, entities, especially demonics. I mean, it's just one of those things. But uh, Jeremy, want to thank you again for being on the show, man. You've been great and been great, just a man. wealth of information. Well, thank you, man. I surely appreciate y'all having me. Absolutely. So, listen, everybody, just to let you know, it's going to be the end of the show right now. But next week, we are actually going to be starting the beginning of our conspiracy theories. And we're going to be talking about the Philadelphia Experiment and whether that was real, whether it was fake. And we're also going to be putting out uh, a little uh, deal to where you can vote and tell us if you believe it happened, if you didn't believe it happened. And uh, we're going to try and get as many people's opinions as we can on it. But we're going to be doing the conspiracy thing the first Thursday of every month, and we're going to be talking about different conspiracies on radio. So uh, 
we hope that everybody joins us and we're looking at having a lot of fun with this and uh, getting everybody's opinion so until next time you all take care we appreciate it for myself eddie hill i'm your host renee rodriguez my co-host and dylan holiday also known as the big quincy you know which is mother goes so anyway y'all take care we appreciate it and uh jeremy thank you so much once again y'all take care and we will talk again next time not all